0: Hello and welcome to Grow Like a Pro, a show all about learning how to achieve your goals and dreams as a business owner and also helping you grow as a person and learn stories from people from all walks of life. I'm one of your hosts, Adam Bankhurst, alongside Ron Greenbaum, and we are so excited this week to welcome a special guest by the name of Rick Zwelling, an accredited financial counselor and the founder of Right Path Financial Coaching. Welcome to the show, Rick. Oh, it's great to be here, Adam. Thanks for inviting me. Of course. And now that we got that out of the way, I do have to check on the pretty face of the show. Ron, how you doing?
1: <laughs> I'm doing well. You know, Rick goes back a long way with me and, and an even longer way with my wife. Oh, yeah? Uh, they, I think they went to elementary school together or junior high or something. So, you know, he's not a young guy. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> <All> that hurt. <laughs> yeah. No, I, again... I, you know, as I said, I, I shaved, uh, I told you earlier, I shaved for the podcast. So I'm looking <laughs> at it prettier than ever. Well, I'm glad
0: <laughs> you're living up to your name. That's awesome. And, and Rick, how you went to junior high with Ron's wife, right? Is that correct? Or something? We like sure did.
1: that's
2: seventh grade.
0: Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God, that's too funny. It's <laughs> such a small world. We always talk to because, you know, you kind of reached out to be on the show and we did. And, and there's like a lot of history between a lot of us. So it's a it's always funny to kind of catch up and see where the world takes us.
2: It's a small world. It's good to be connected.
0: It's very true. So, Rick, why don't you tell people a little bit about yourself before we kind of dive into who you are and how you got to where you are today? Sure.
2: Thanks. Uh, I'm from Columbus. And as I told you earlier, I, I've never lived in a suburb, I've always lived in the city of Columbus, went to Walnut Ridge High School, uh, raised in, in a family business, uh, went to the University of Cincinnati, only time I left the, the city, and where I met my wife, and we've been together 40 years. Uh, and again, went into a family business, sold maintenance supplies, apartment complexes, and I worked the parts counter and I was outside sales, ended up owning the business, growing the business, selling the business. I've owned a couple other businesses, and I've also done some other financial things. I've opened up, uh, I created a sales department of a mortgage company years ago, which is where I really got my first taste of financial coaching. And up until this, uh, I opened the, the practice uh, October, 2019, going full-time in it. And previous to that, I spent seven years with an organization who had a contract with the Ohio Department of Developmental Disability. So I did a lot of, so I'm very much into social services as well as financial education.
0: Oh man, yeah, it seems like you've kind of been all over the place. That's, pretty, that's a pretty interesting career. And and how, was, how did the kind of decision start to start your own business and kind of start right path financial coaching. What, what kind of made that feel like it was the right time for you?
2: Well, I tell you first, I first heard about because financial coaching or financial counseling is not that common. Most people think of it as think of financial advisors, which I don't do. Um, Coaching is strictly teaching people about personal finance. I first learned about it about 12, 13 years ago. My wife has over 30 years of consulting experience, marketing, branding, strategy, and at the time, one of the clients, she was at a, with a small branding and strategy firm, and one of the clients was an accreditation organization for financial counseling. That's how I learned about it. And ever since I learned about that, it's something I have wanted to do. I did. I even I've been an accredited financial counselor since 2014. I spent 18 months working in a nonprofit uh, financial counseling organization and I um, when I was with the Department of Developmental Disability position towards the end, I just got burnt out. I'd say any at any point, without any exaggeration, I was working for on behalf of one of 3,000 people. We had 1,800 uh, consumers. Our payroll was our biggest chunk. We paid 1,000 people every two weeks. We worked about four to 500 case managers and it became very stressful. And so I decided to leave. And really what prompted that, I actually resigned a couple of times. My boss kept me on. I stayed on for her. But one day, someone that I really looked up to went to bed and never woke up. And he was 54 years old. And I just said that life's too short to be unhappy. And so I resigned the next day. And I knew this is what I wanted to do. This is my absolute passion, helping people uh, just get a better handle on their finances and reduce their stress.
1: Well, right now, I would think Rick would be this would be an opportune time because there are a lot of people that just don't know which direction to go into. And I'm sure, you know, they need counsel. People that never before did would certainly need it now.
2: I tell you, Ron, I mean, I've been following the statistics ever since I got interested in the, uh, the field. And they're just astounding. Like just for example, I, to, I get um, to maintain my certification. I have a, take credits and um, one of them I just listened to was a year in review. Last year, I think TAA Institute did a survey and they would it was a questionnaire. The average score of just basic personal finance was a 52, which means we're basically flunking when it comes to financial literacy in this country. And it really hasn't changed. Federal Reserve study shows that on average, people have... Four hundred dollars as an emergency fund. So if they have an emergency it's over four hundred dollars, they have to sell something or borrow. So we're talking about, you know, you need a couple of tires, or the dog has to go to the vet, and people are just put to the wall. So it hasn't changed, and the pandemic hasn't helped for a big segment of the population.
0: Gotcha, and it's 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 interesting. So when you when you talk about financial coaching, and when someone comes to you, what are some of the first things? that you kind of look at or what are, what are the, the, the stepping stones to you know getting a handle on your finances?
2: Really, it, it is like and I, on my website, I have a checklist. It's like, give me all your information, banking, pay stubs, insurance, benefits, credit card debt. So it's really assembling that so you can get, so you know where the foundation is. And Ron, I think you can appreciate this. A house is only as solid as the foundation it's on, right? And so if the financial foundation is shaky, it's hard to move from there. So we kind of, my MO is to establish where are you in your foundation? And then through that, we figure out how can we move you forward and then create a plan to do that.
1: Do you think people, you know, when they finally come to you, uh, a lot of them are, are in pretty big holes, I imagine. Isn't that right?
2: It's a combination. Some people though rare, will have a feel like they're on track and they will then want to know where are we, how are we doing? Others are in, are in holes and it's, it's very stressful. I know that. I think of one couple I met with and, and, and this crosses all socioeconomic boundaries. I mean, one study showed over 70% of people are living paycheck to paycheck, even those making six figures. And one couple that I worked with, they were netting over nine grand a month in their 50s, second marriage, college educated, and they weren't keeping track. And when I went through like a detailed list of what they were spending, they were spending like 12 to 13,000 a month. So they were, so it's, it's, it's very challenging. So the idea is that we're in a marathon, not a sprint.
0: And, and what what is the main difference between financial coaching and financial advising and, and like, how, how is someone supposed to decide which one they need? Or is it something where even having both is helpful? Like, what is the main difference between what you offer and then, you know, a financial advisor, which may be a bit more common.
2: That's a great question. Financial coaching is about education. So for example, I don't sell any products. I don't do mortgages. I don't do investments. I don't do insurance. All the only way I generate any income is through teaching. Or financial advisors, you know, they generate through like fee, you know, uh, money under management or fees, and they're more geared on building wealth. I heard one financial coach say, our role is to make people financially healthy. Financial advisors make people wealthy.
0: Oh, okay. That's yeah, that's a good way to put it. <laughs> Very interesting.
2: And health
1: versus wealth. That's a, that is a great way to put
2: it.
0: Yeah, I, I, it
2: stuck with me. So I
0: still use that. Yeah, that's good. And how is it is, is this your company with other people or is this something that you do? Do you have kind of a team or how does, how does a day-to-day look like for you with, with handling all these things?
2: Right now it's just me. Uh, and I, I, I do two things. I do group classes. So I reach out to employers if they're interested in offering group classes. I'll like teach on basic budgeting or insurance or what is financial planning. So I'll do group classes. I can do it via Zoom now because of pandemic. Uh, And then I do one-on-one coaching or with couples.
0: Gotcha. Very nice. Well, that's, yeah, that sounds like it's a very important thing. Like, and as Ron was mentioning too, especially in these times, and we're definitely going to dive a bit deeper into how people can get back on the right path. (laughs) Excuse my pun, but uh, but we do have to take a a short commercial break. So stay tuned to Grow Like a Pro on 610 WTVN, and we will be right back. Hello and welcome back to Grow Like a Pro on 610 WTVN with your hosts Adam Bankhurst and Ron Greenbaum and our special guest Rick Swelling, an accredited financial counselor and the founder of Right Path Financial Coaching. And Rick, thank you so much for joining us on this show. In the last segment, you told us a little bit about yourself and what it means to be kind of a financial counselor or financial coach, as you like to call it. Um, and before we kind of dive back into maybe how people can handle their finances better and really get to the root of why people are experiencing some problems, I would love to kind of dive into the process of starting your own company because, you know, a lot of people love the idea of start having, they have an idea and they want to start something, but it usually stops at that idea, but you, you know, you made it into something real. So I'd like to kind of jump on that journey a little bit and what, what it was like to start your company and maybe some of the challenges on the way and how you kind of got over them.
2: Sure. I first wanted to start my own practice years ago, five, six, seven, eight, maybe even eight years ago to do this. And when I started asking around, the common question was, well, who would pay for it? That was a big question. Right. This time when I started investigating again, that question never came up. So I would say that a couple, a couple of things and Ron can appreciate, first of all, I, I've got a very supportive wife who has a good job. And so we, we worked out the finances and then that's a big deal. Um, And, you know, you know, one of the, one of the foundations of, of a good, of being financially solid is having an emergency fund. So we have an emergency fund, which we can draw on as well. So, so the finances are not a huge stress. Um, And then it's, it's, it's getting out there. And really the, the biggest challenges that, I started part time with my, with the business, like towards the middle of 2019, I went full time because I was doing actually a couple part time jobs to keep money coming in. I went full time because I learned in October because I, you know, I learned if you're going to do something, you can't, it's hard to do it half, you know, and yeah. so I had to commit to it and I just started making some good headway and then COVID hit. So COVID has been a real challenge candidly for me because it was my, and in what I do, it, it's a good and a bad thing because the need is so pervasive. It crosses all these boundaries. If you go everywhere, you go nowhere. So I had to kind of focus and I started working with human resources because you know, employers offering group group classes and maybe generate some one-on-ones through those group classes. And I had joined a couple of HR groups. And it's funny, there's a local one, HR Association of Central Ohio. I went to the new member meeting the first week of March. It was, it, And they had a luncheon, of like 200 people, collected a bunch of business cards. And three days later, we were in lockdown. So it was really oh, challenging. Geez. I had also luckily joined a networking group. And they had actually multiple places around Columbus as well as Cincinnati and Dayton. And so they, and it seems like one of the words, new, new uses of the word, uh, and that came up in COVID was pivot. So they pivoted to Zoom meetings. And through that, I got a contact who had a contact at a nonprofit. And so I, I do a lot of coaching with a nonprofit called house of hope and they support men dealing with addiction. So there's two segments of what they do. They do the treatment and then men will move out of the treatment and go into houses. And I work with them on financial coaching. And that's been a real godsend for me to keep, uh, not not just the money going, but just keep the activity going. Cause I love to coach and not being able to coach was difficult. And now, and then also I I still try to do networking and um, I get a couple of contacts through my, or my association that I'm accredited through. It's afcpe.org, afcpe.org. And so I get contacts there. And as, as things lighten up, I'll be out there networking more. But it, it's not been easy, but I'm very grateful for the activity that
1: I've received. Well, you know, Rick, just being able to, Say you're still in business, you know. Again, I mean, who would have think you know thought a month after you really decided, okay, we're really gonna, I'm really gonna do this, and you go to the meeting and spend some money, and then COVID hits. So you're a true testament in what the world is today. But you know, in some respects, um, it's it's becoming a little bit easier to network because of zoom, because, you know, that's what we're using today and uh, technology. So, but you have to be able to uh, again, pivot into uh, using technology as opposed to face to face. There's a lot of people that, you know, don't want to see whether it's personally or, or whatever. And, um, you know, I, I admire the fact that you, you found a way to do it and, I think you're right, you know, working, having other people kind of carry your water in these organizations that are already established, that was a smart move.
2: I'm grateful. I think, I think I just got lucky and what can I tell you? I I just, I think I got lucky and, and uh, I'm grateful for what I have. I truly am.
0: So where, so what is the you know, once again, excuse the pun, but the right path for financial coaching, where do you see this company evolving and, and what's kind of the, not, not necessarily end goal, but what's, what are some of your your longer term goals of where you want to kind of take this take this business?
2: My longer term goal is to do this as long as possible. I am 60 and, you know, we're living longer and healthier. As long as I'm healthy, there's no reason I can't do this way into my 70s. And it's really a commitment to helping people. Yes, I can, you know, when I work with somebody, they pay me. But the fact is the intrinsic reward far exceeds the monetary. And because if people don't have these skills or this knowledge, it's anywhere from life enhancing to life changing. And, you know, we're here to give. And so I I see continuing to do it. Um, I'm working on working on generating relationships with groups. I think that's my method. Uh, I've been developing relationship with some unions as well as some other associations. And if it grows, I anticipate I, and I do anticipate it growing. And so my plan is to add other people to do what I do, who have a passion for it. That's what I see doing. Um, but right now, my goal is to keep myself as busy as I want to. And when that gets to a point, because I believe it will, because the need is not going away. And there's not a lot of people who do what I do. There's people who say they do this. like For example, you have some like uh, banks or 401k organizations, and they'll do some of this, but they don't get quite into the detail. They don't spend, it's not quite as robust, though some may be but I see, continue to do this as long as I'm able to do it. And if it grows beyond my time, I'll, I'll add people. I, I that, That's that's the plan. That's great.
0: I love to hear that. And you know, I, I, I keep coming back to the whole coaching side of things because I feel like one of the biggest problems that I'm sure you deal with all the time is once again, people don't necessarily know the right ways to handle their finances. And I, I'm curious to get your opinion on this, but like, is it their fault a lot of the times? Or is it the systems in place? You know, when you think of coaching and you think of kids and sports teams and stuff like that, is there things that maybe you see that we should be doing better? I mean, is it, is it such a, from that foundation level where a lot of these issues kind of stem from? Okay. The
2: answer is yes. For example, even today, we and we've known like these, these, these statistics that I've given have been known for decades, and yet only 21 states mandate financial literacy education in schools, 21 states, and they're probably, you know, who knows how good they are. So yeah, teaching finance, you know, at every level, you know, for example, and you may remember, you know, so often college freshmen, they get to school, And they go to these orientations and there's all these credit card
0: companies around signing them up. So they're getting a free bonus too. get $200, do this.
2: (laughs) Oh my goodness. Yeah. And so people are not getting this at home because the parents themselves don't know or don't talk about it. They're not getting it in school. I mean, why is student loan debt so astronomical? I mean, people don't even think about it. It's like, okay, you go to school and you bring on $50,000 student loan debt and you walk out with a undergraduate degree in psychology. It's like, well, that's not gonna get you anything. So I think there's a there's a whole thing missing there. And part of me thinks that with all the reading I've done, I've seen it's all anecdotal, is that I think you know Wall Street and finance has a kind of a, they have an oversized influence on our society because they don't really make anything You know, they can make some things possible but you know they don't fix basements they don't build homes they don't build manufacturing and yet they have such an influence and so much of their revenues and profits are derived from fees and so there's profit and the higher and charging higher interest rates and the way you charge higher interest rates is that people get in trouble because they don't know any better for example One of the things I'll teach and say is that the importance of credit scores. Uh, If someone has a 780 credit score, it doesn't matter what I I call credit scores, the great equalizer. It doesn't matter what you look like. It doesn't matter where you live. It doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't matter your education. A 780 score is golden. So someone who's making $35,000 a year, can go in and buy a car and command the exact same interest rate, excellent interest rate, as someone with the same score making $350,000 a year. Now, what they can purchase is not the same, but the interest rate is the same. And so if you keep people uninformed, they make mistakes, and all of a sudden their credit scores drop, and then all of a sudden they're going from paying, what, 0.9% for a new car to 11%. I've had people have interest rates on car loans of over 22 percent brutal it's brutal how do you get ahead of that
0: yeah
1: Yeah. It's... well yeah it's yeah I, I you're exactly right and i think it starts with the government saying you know uh everybody should be able to buy a house and uh just kind of like everybody should go to college and both of those are fallacies, you know, not everybody can afford to buy a house and not everybody should be spending that kind of money and going into debt like that to, uh, to go to uh, college. So, you know, it starts, well, you're right. It's, we're a mar- a company that has used marketing to abuse the system. And that's, I think really, uh, fattening the wallets, like you said, of, of a lot of uh, companies, particularly the, uh, credit card companies and banks and, you know, all kinds of people that, uh, you know, make money off of people not understanding that ultimately you got to pay for it. Oh yeah. And they make it so, make it so easy.
2: Come on. You can use your phone. You know, you get a little barcode and ding, you made a purchase. Ding. you made So marketing, you know, they, they made it so easy to spend money. I'll give you another example. Um, a, a seminar I listened to, a webinar I listened to last year, given by a, a professor Rutgers, 30 years doing research and counseling. 2019 was the 15th straight year of record profits for ATM fees and overdraft fees. Overdraft <laughs> fees averaged over $30. ATM fees are three to four to five dollars. So, for example, let's say that someone's working hard. They want a good night out, so they go to the casino when they're able to go to the casino. They use the ATM. They, you know, they they take they want hundred dollars. What they get is like ninety six dollars, and they walk away. And they don't think anything about it. And you just what happened is you just took four dollars of your wealth and gave it to some company that's going to make other people wealthy. And they don't think anything about it because we're kind of aligned with just not giving a lot of thought to this. People give more thought to what they're doing Saturday night than they are about their finances.
0: Yeah, and that's, it's it's I think it all comes down, like you said, to that that whole marketing side of things and making it easy. And I, that you know your your example of the college kid thing because I you know relived it. I mean, it's been about ten years since I've been in college, but I remember those days. And especially, it's like get approved in seconds. You won't even believe it and, and to redeem all this, get this credit. And it's like what those seconds mean and what damage you can do after that because they don't, they don't care after you get that credit card. They just have That's you right. signed up and then it's like now you, it's up to you to figure out how to be good. And if you haven't, weren't raised the proper way in finances and stuff, like you said, you can get in a lot of trouble.
2: I'll give you another statistic that in 2019, the average interest rate on a credit card was 17%. It was the highest in two decades. Now, if you know anything about finance, the bank lending rate was like, what, two or three percent. So the margin they're making is enormous. And here's the reason why, which is this professor doing the research, is because people with excellent credit are taking advantage of these reward cards. And so the companies aren't making as much profit on the people with good credit who know how to handle their money. And so they raise the interest rate on those that don't. And a, the, the private label cards like Macy's or target even worse, it's 27%. (laughs) You know, and, and really that's why I'm so passionate about what I do because it all comes down to me. Education. Yeah. Education is the key. If you know more, you'll make better decisions, right? Yep. hundred percent. And it's being hidden from people.
0: Yeah. And that's, I mean, it's, it's great that you're, providing that service, like I said, especially in these times. And we'll continue this story right after the short break, but we do have to stop for commercials real quick. So make sure to stay tuned to Grow Like a Pro on 610 WTVN, and we will be right back. Hello and welcome back to Grow Like a Pro on 610 WTVN with your hosts Adam Bankhurst and Ron Greenbaum and our special guest, an accredited financial counselor and founder of Right Path Financial Coaching, Rick Zwelling. And I do want to remind people, if you missed the rest of our show, you can catch the show live, obviously every Saturday on 610 WTVN at 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, but we're also available on podcast services around the globe. And we've talked to so many other incredible people throughout the weeks here. And we would really encourage you to take a look, give us a review if you like it. And you know what? If you want to be a part of the show, if you want to help share your story, Send us an email at hello at growlikeaproshow.com. Once again, that is hello at growlikeaproshow.com. And we'd love to hear your story and, and let you help others grow like a pro, as we like to say. But anyway, now, oh, what was that, Ron?
1: By, by the way, Adam, I just got uh, reviewed the uh, listener statistics and people actually listen to this show. It's Wait, amazing. Wait, what? I thought that it was just us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, oh,
0: no. I'm scared now. I don't so know. We, I don't know. we I can got a,
1: we got to make sure we uh, you continue to uh, to get better at what you do.
0: Yeah, that was definitely. the only
1: comment. No, amazing, <laughs> no, really. It. People, it's amazing, and uh, I'm excited about hearing that from uh, the folks that. Uh, I heart. So
0: yeah, uh, no, it's, it's always we look good for to hear
1: bigger and better things as we go.
0: That's what I like to see. And Rick is helping get getting us there. So thank you, Rick, for helping share your story and, and giving us some really valuable information. And it's been really fascinating to learn kind of your perspective through all this stuff. And um, you know, I, I in this segment I do kind of want to touch on your coaching because it's it's great to teach people things, obviously. It's great to learn lessons, you know, you you go to school to learn stuff, but A lot of times you sometimes forget what you learn or you kind of get back into your old habits and, you know, people are a very prideful race or being. So I think there's a lot of, you know, obstacles to overcome and some things that are probably harder to get over than others. And what are some of the, the biggest pitfalls you see? And what are the ways you try to tell people to to help get over that and and get people on once again, the right path. I can't stop it, Rick. It's such a good name. (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
2: It's interesting. And I didn't know this until again, I I took, one of these classes that there's there's the Millennials, and then underneath that is Generation Gen Z, which is uh, born 1996 to 2010. That's gonna be the largest group ever, which I always thought the baby boomers were the largest, but this is gonna be even larger. One of the downfalls of them is that they don't ask for help. In fact, there's a, a, the study that uh, I heard was, there's a big difference between perceived knowledge and actual knowledge. So the biggest thing is, like you said, having people raise the, the first step is is acknowledging there's an issue, and then stepping forward. And a lot of people will wait probably six to twelve, even two, you know, twelve months to two years before it gets so challenging. And I think the key is, like any coaching, it's it's accountability and it's staying in touch. I mean, if you want to do anything well, one lesson doesn't get you anywhere. Right. And it's and it's also the other thing is that a lot of organizations will say they're doing something in the area of financial literacy. And what they do is they build a website. Well, if you know how if you know how to use the tools, people can take advantage of it. If you don't know how to use the tools, what good does it do you? So it's really some of the a personal interaction and building a relationship. It's, it's having I, I think, you know, having a little bit of accountability helps people you know, stay on track. And I think that's that's the biggest thing is, is having a regular relationship, you know, it doesn't have to be every week, every month, but a, a periodic checkup to help making sure you're on track with things.
1: Well, you know, I think, also, isn't somewhat, um, you know, they get people get healthier, you know, financially a little bit, or, you know, maybe pay off some debt or whatever, but then they kick the can down the road, because they're, doing it through borrowing or they they just haven't changed. It's, again, I used to uh, talked to you earlier about even weight loss. It's the same thing, you know, it's up and down. And, uh, usually when people have, you know, there, there's a lot of people that just can't help themselves. They just want, they want it and they want it now. And you see that as generational. Do you, do you think there's more of any particular age group that, uh, no
2: i don't think so i tell you i I know i keep throwing a lot of statistics but i i I read and i listen for example one another survey uh, people pre-retirement in that survey 25 percent of people had zero saved up for retirement so it's not generational um and less than 40 percent thought they were on track and a different survey same thing i mean people are not saving For retirement, and it's it's all ages. In fact, I haven't heard where where the common idea is that someone passes on they they pass on maybe some inheritance. It may not be much, but something. And now we're finding where people are passing away and passing on debts. Right. So yeah. So I don't think it's generational. I think it's just kind of uh, the marketing mindset. And you know, I want it now. Even even older people. Not all for sure, but. I think that, that, that plays a big role in it.
0: And, you know, speaking of generational, I'm curious, do you have any kind of tips for, you know, this is actually, you know, somewhat relevant to me with a, with a new child and stuff, but I think a lot of this does kind of start at home and start early on and instilling those good values. But do you have, have any tips for, you know, you know, parents or up and coming kids that you think would even just be a good way to get people started to learn more about finances and really, you know, take, take ownership of, of their careers and their wealth.
2: Definitely. I think and there have been studies that show that if a child opens up a bank account, that they are multiple times more likely to go to college than someone who doesn't open up a bank account. So I think, you know, getting that in with the kids. Also, you know, talking about about teaching your children, that's the the, the avenue I'm taking right now is... uh, um, one idea is to have like have an allowance and what you do is maybe have like three jars, you know, the, the save jar, the spend jar and then, the, you know, maybe the charity jar and that, you know, every week, you know, they have to do the chores. They teach responsibility. You get paid for doing this, but then you put money in each of these jars and if you want to buy something, then you wait till that particular jar is saved up. You spend it and you've got one that's savings and you've got one that's maybe charitable. So you're teaching all these good values and it doesn't have to be a lot of money. I mean, it could be, you know, starting out with their young, maybe a quarter or 50 cents per jar, you know, a dollar 50 to maybe $3 a week, something like that. And then opening up a, a savings account puts people ahead statistically. They've shown that.
0: Yeah. And I, you know, I think that's kind of brilliant too, because I feel like a lot of times allowance is like. You did a chore here's 20 bucks you did a chore here's 20 bucks and it kind of reinforces that easy spending like you got it let's spend it let's do it so i think having that is i mean you know i i haven't really heard that and i think it's pretty simple when you think about it it's like it's not like a crazy idea because you know we all do it with savings accounts and stuff like that but i think that's I, i'm going to remember that one rick thank you
2: <laughs> well i think another thing adam is that i think it's it's important for parents to talk about money with their kids and they can talk about the personal money too. It doesn't have to be in the nth detail, but, and Ron, you'll appreciate too, you know, employees think, well, you know, the company made a million dollars. That means you've got $500,000 in your pockets. like, no, I don't, <laughs> no, you know, yeah, I'm, right. lucky if I, I'm lucky if I make 5%, you know, on, on, on the, the sales. And so where kids can see how fast their, their parents' paychecks go and parents include the kids in those kind of conversations, they'll just become more prepared as they become adults. And they can, you know, I think as parents, we want our kids to be a little bit better than us in different areas. And so it's a good way of having kids be a little bit more savvy than their parents. That's what the parents can do for them.
1: Well, I think the best thing you can do as a parent when your child is young is learn the word no. Say no, even if it doesn't matter whether you can afford it or not. It's a matter of, do you really need it or, or, you know, why, you know, you got to teach them some questions. Of why do you want to buy something? What, and, you know, uh, be responsible as well. You know, uh, that's, that's the other thing teach kids. It starts, it really does start at a very early age. Uh, I think, uh, and you probably see that Rick. that, uh, it starts with, uh, parents being able to have discipline themselves uh yes finding you know right. fiscal responsibility that's right
2: and like say kids like say because they want to buy some let's say it's 50 dollars, and it takes them three months to save up that money and yeah, i bet they're a little less uh you know they're a bit more hesitant to spend that money because it goes so fast you know all of a sudden yeah. you kind of value your your labor for what you make and how you spend it so i, I agree
0: that's great oh well, yeah that's a uh... Great tips from Rick Swelling. I appreciate it. And then uh, we unfortunately have one more segment before we have to let Rick go, but we do have to take a short commercial break before that. So make sure to stay tuned to grow like a pro on 610 WTVN and we will be right. Hello, and welcome back to Grow Like a Pro on 610 WTVN with your hosts, Adam Bankhurst and Ron Greenbaum, and our special guest, Rick Swelling, an accredited financial counselor and the founder of Right Path Financial Coaching. And my friends, we are at my least favorite segment yet again, because soon we must let Rick go, but not before he not only shares how people can get in touch with him and hopefully learn how to manage their finances better and learn how to be healthier and wealthier with their their finances. But before we go, Rick kind of wants to share some final tips and maybe something that you can take from this episode besides all the great story you shared with us already. But Rick, what's one final thing you wanna leave our listeners with out there?
2: I'll start with one. And if someone feels like their their finances are a bit out of control, the very first thing to do is pick a month, you like the month before and on either a piece of paper or a spreadsheet, write down every single expense. Even if it's a dollar, write out every single expense, what was spent, where it was spent, you know, the date it was spent, and that can be very eye-opening. You know, that's a very good start of getting a handle. It's like, oh my gosh, I didn't realize where I was spending that much on eating out, which I get a lot. So writing down every single expense for a month and then do it the next month. And then you can maybe that's a really a, a good way to start maybe budgeting and, and Gallup poll showed two thirds of people don't budget. So that's that's a first way to start to, to, to raise awareness and mindfulness. It'll raise mindfulness
0: that's great. Well, thank you for sharing that. And, you know, that's only obviously one of the many tips that Rick Swelling can provide with, you know, his company and his services with Right Path Financial Coaching. And, you know, Rick, if people have been inspired by your incredible words, like I have, and I'm sure Ron has too, how can people get in touch with not only you, but Right Path Financial Coaching? Uh, You can call me on my cell phone,
2: 614-245-5550. Or you can email me and it's Rick, R-I-C-K, at right, R-I-G-H-T, path, P-A-T-H, dash, fc.com. So it's Rick at rightpathfc, like for financial coaching, com, And my website's rightpath-fc.com as well.
0: That's great. And do you have any... And when people want to get started, so you mentioned you offer what group classes or even one on one coaching. Like, is there anything that people can kind of look forward to or what maybe a good place to start?
2: I would say, you know, like start to write two things one, write down every expense in a given month, and that will raise mindfulness if there are like groups or employer groups who care about financial wellness for their employees, because that's a big cost to employers bottom line, the loss of productivity. Uh, I give group classes on budgeting, insurance, uh, financial planning, what the heck is a credit report kind of walk through them that walk through those things. So just raising education, raising awareness.
0: Yeah. Well, it sounds like, yeah, if you have, you know, on your personal finances, business finances, sounds like Rick and his company can really help. So we definitely encourage it's been very, you.
1: Very, very insightful today, Rick. Glad to help. I really am.
0: Yeah, and you it. know. Yeah, we really appreciate it. And we want to remind people too that if you loved Rick's talk, obviously we'd love to have you back in the future. But we have so many other people who have joined us on Grow Like a Pro, and so many we look forward to talking to in the future. So be sure to catch Grow Like a Pro on six hundred and ten WTVN every Saturday at five PM Eastern Standard Time, and also on podcast services around the globe. And also, if you want to be a part of the show, if you want to be on the show and share your story and help other people grow like a pro, please send an email to hello at growlikeaproshow.com. Once again, that is hello at growlikeaproshow.com. And with that, Rick, Ron, I want to thank both of you so much for taking the time to speak with us. And it's uh, it's been a pleasure, Rick, and we look forward to hopefully having you back in the future.
2: Thank you so much. I'm grateful for the opportunity. It's great reconnecting, Rick. Yes, it is, Ron. A real pleasure.
0: Definitely, definitely. And listeners, thank you all so much for taking the time out of your week to share your day with us. And we hope you learned something as, as we did. So thank you all so much. We look forward so much to coming back next week with another episode of Grow Like a Pro. And until then, hope you have a great day and or night and we will see you next week. Bye, everybody.